If you hear some strange noises while I'm doing this video, please note that it's because this chair is a bit squeaky, although obviously when I'm trying to demonstrate it, it's now not doing it, but it was doing it. So if it does it again, please note it's the chair, not me, and apologies for that. Before we look at Malachi chapter 3, it's good for us to look at the end of Malachi chapter 2, because it sets us up for this chapter that we're going to look at today. In the last verse of Malachi 2, it says, You have wearied the Lord with your words. How have we wearied him, you ask? By saying, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and he's pleased with them. Or, where is the God of justice? So the big question for this chapter is, is God a God of justice, or is he a God of injustice? Is he just, or is he unjust? And God responds to this, to this question and to what the Israelites have been saying um, further back before this. And he responds straight away with two messengers. I will send my messenger, he says in verse 1, who will prepare the way before me. So this is talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist, that voice crying out in the desert, who will prepare the way for the Lord. But then we hear about the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Because suddenly, after John the Baptist, suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. The Lord Jesus will come. John the Baptist will prepare the way, the first messenger, and then the second messenger will be the Lord Jesus himself. Then it goes on to say, Who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he'll be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years. So I will come to you and put you on trial. I'll be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers and perjurers, against those who defraud labourers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. So though John the Baptist is only mentioned very briefly, the key message that John the Baptist brought was repent, repent, turn from your wicked ways, turn from your darkness and follow God and be prepared for the Lord, be prepared for the Lord's coming. And in these verses that I've just read, um, there is very much a message of repentance that John the Baptist um, would go on to, to speak again of. In, in that theme of repentance, even if he didn't use these specific words, although he could well have done. John the Baptist preaches of repentance, and the message here is repent, repent, repent. And the people um, need to realise that whereas they're accusing God of being unjust, it is they who are unjust. We hear in those verses of how they're doing very, very evil things but they are including in that doing something 
hypocritical in their being unjust themselves anyway. So who are they to question God? In one sense, who are they to question God full stop? But who are they to question God about his justice when they themselves are being unjust? So a big, wonderful, powerful response from God to the questions about his integrity to his justice by pointing the finger at them, helping them realize um, how, how far they are from him and how much they need him. But there's hope. It ends, doesn't it, with, don't, don't fear me. And then it goes on to these words. I, the Lord, don't change, so the descendants of Jacob are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. God's not surprised that the Israelites are throwing their toys out of the pram and being difficult and being hypocrites and all the rest of it. He's dealt with this kind of stuff with the Israelites many a time. The Israelites, even after being set free from Egypt by God, quickly started to go against God and started to forget how good he'd been to them and started to moan about how Egypt um, started to seem brighter in their um, confused eyes and uh, deluded eyes. Um, and they even, in the end, when Moses went up to um, receive the Ten Commandments from God, um, started to build idols and, and went away from, from God in a particularly um, dramatic fashion. But God says here, return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord Almighty. And in effect, he said this to them hundreds of times before. But, but once again, because he's such a God of grace and God of compassion and God of love, he says, return to me and I will return to you. Return to me, Israel, and I will return to you. I still love you, Israel. I still care about you, Israel. Return to me and I will return to you. And maybe we need to hear that this morning. Maybe some of us watching this message, whether we're from Lance and Tabble or elsewhere, whether we've been to church before or we haven't. If we, if we have wondered from God, and we've all wondered from God um, in, in one sense, but if we've even become a Christian at some point in our lives and, and turned away from God, well, we really need to hear that this morning. Return to me and I will return to you. And, and it's a positive message incredibly positive message and it reminds me of the story of the prodigal son that Jesus taught where there was a guy who decided that he wanted his inheritance early from his father before his father had even passed away and he went and just wasted it all selfishly and in the end ends up in a big mess um, and eating the food of pigs and then decides that yeah I've screwed up I need I need my father and so he goes back to his father and scripture tells us that in this story when the, the when the boy was even a long way off from the father the father ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and, and he gave him compassion he loved him he he kissed him and he hugged him and he even put a ring on his finger and this story was of course to, to teach us of the incredible fatherhood of God the incredible grace of God and how yeah, not just the Israelites, but, but all people who have wandered from him. And I said before, in one sense, we've all wandered. If, if we don't even know him, we, we've wandered from him. Maybe we just didn't realize that we did. He says, return to me, come to me, come to me, all of you. 
come to me because I want to be your father and I love you. But sadly, we can often think we know better than God, like the prodigal son did and like the Israelites did. Even accuse God of being unjust and being evil and all the rest of it, like the Israelites were doing, where we need to humbly come before him, recognise he's God, recognise he's good, recognise how he understands this life and eternity far better than we ever will and accept our need for forgiveness, our need for his grace. Doesn't mean we live blindlessly, it's okay to, to question God at times, but we do so respectfully. We don't do it in the way that the Israelites were doing. And what's some really fascinating is that the Israelites turn around to God when they're told, return to me and I'll return to you. And they say, how are we to return? That's in verse 7. How are we to return? Given the impression that they didn't think that they even really needed to do anything to be close to God. And maybe we're like that sometimes, thinking, what's the problem, God, you know? But... Yeah, as our, our former pastor, John Woods, I remember used to often say um, uh, in, in a kind and loving way, but in a, in a very um, clear way, you know, who, who, who's moved? Who, who moves in a situation where God seems distant, where perhaps God seems unfair, when things don't seem good? Who, who moved? Was it God or was it us? And of course, it's always us. God is, is never changing in his love and his compassion and his greatness and his integrity and his justice whereas sadly we are but the Israelites obviously um, are blind to their sin they're blind to their mistakes and that's often what sin does and we need to ask God to help us to see our sin at the end of Psalm 139 there's a lovely prayer powerful prayer that David prays of shine a light on anything offensive in me and lead me in the way everlasting and that's a good prayer for us to pray because we can be so so blind to our sin because sin is so deep and so tricky but thankfully when we humble ourselves and ask for God to reveal our sin to us he does and he helps us and he gets us out of it he loves to get us out of mess because he cares for us so much and in that very same light God then talks to them about how they have abused tithes and offerings even though the way that they're asking about how they can return and um, what really they're doing wrong, it seems to be in a bit of a sarcastic, cheeky way, in my opinion, um, God, God still responds. They're still talking to him, and that's good. At least they're still talking to him, Israel, and that's key for us to remember too. Never stop talking to him. And then God talks to them about the errors of their ways, about the tithes and offerings, and Julian spoke uh, really helpfully about this in our first week of Malachi, how they were just giving God the rubbish, the things they didn't want. It wasn't love to God. It wasn't blessing God. It wasn't giving up uh, a sufficient offering to God. It was just giving them what they didn't want. It was probably um, a blessing to them far more than it was to God when they did that. But we can do that too. You know, it's so easy, isn't it? When we look at the Israelites think, oh man, those Israelites were a nightmare. But yeah, I could be a nightmare. I'm sure we can all be nightmares at times. And we, and we need... God's grace, we need God's kindness, God's compassion, we need our Lord God Almighty.
And God says how he's going to bless the people if they, they bring their whole tithe into the storehouse. He's going to make it that he'll throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. If they do right by God, God will do right by them in effect. But what's incredible is that God so often does right by us anyway. You might know um, the verses where Jesus said how the, the sun shines on the righteous and the unrighteous and the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. God God does good to everyone, you know, so any ideas of a prosperity gospel are, are thrown out by those wonderful words from Jesus. But yeah, I think there's there's some times where we where we need um uh to, to be doing right by God to, to receive um blessing from him. But that's not the same as a prosperity gospel. It's just that yeah some sometimes simply by doing one of um, God's great commands, like for example, not lying. Of course, things are going to work out better for us than than if we don't um, and we keep lying. Um, but there, there's also a supernatural element where sometimes to do the right thing, um, yeah, by doing it, God God will do something supernatural, and that's what it appears to be in this particular instance. And there's other examples in the Bible that God sometimes does this. That that yeah, when we do something right like giving up those tithes and offerings and doing other things um, that he's calling us to do that sometimes he'll do something supernatural like filling up a storehouse um, to overflowing but Israel keep moaning Israel keep complaining and so yeah the uh, chapter starts to draw to a close with with the Lord Almighty talking about a group that thankfully fear him and and will repent some of the Israelites will choose to turn to him and yeah faith and repentance are two sides of the same coin when we turn away from darkness sin dirt that we recognize in our lives that he helps us to identify we, we turn to him and it's really important we do that that we turn away from sin darkness dirt and we turn to him and so they they happen simultaneously repentance and faith and some of these people would do that these these Israelites that fear the Lord and, and you might not like the word fear and yeah um, yeah the, the word fear is really interesting that I've really grown to love fearing God the Bible talks about if you fear God you don't need to fear anyone else I love fearing God for that very reason but also because if we don't fear God I think we've not really recognized truly who he is and I know in one sense we're never truly recognised quite who he is because he's so incredibly awesome but when we realise even to an extent of how mighty and majestic he is, how powerful he is of course we're going to be afraid not afraid because we think he's going to hurt us not afraid because we think he's out to get us but afraid because he's like that relative that you might have in a family and Charlene's granddad was like this, a wonderful man, where even though you know he's loving and he's kind and he's caring, he's not gonna do anything horrible to anyone. He's just got this powerful presence about him. You know, one of those relatives, like I say, like Charlene's granddad, who's got, just got a powerful presence where people would just not mess with them. And so, yeah, we do need to fear the Lord God Almighty that is the right word. Fear is the right word. And when people try and replace that with respect, that's wrong. That's not what the Bible says. You know, interpreters have interpreted the Bible and translated it enough by now 
for the many times in the Bible where it talks about fearing the Lord to have replaced that word for respect if that was a better word. And it's not. Fear is the better word. But it's a healthy fear, not an unhealthy fear, as I've explained. And if this is particularly a difficult area for you, please do get in touch with me because this is something that I've studied a lot on and, and know a lot about because I know it can cause um, great hurt and, and great problems, which is not what God wants. God wants you to know how much you love him, but to fear him in a healthy way. Our chapter ends with some really wonderful words, Malachi 3 verses 16 to 18 and I just want to read them and then compare them with John 3 verses 16 to 18. It's interesting how similar they are in effect. So in Malachi 3 verses 16 to 18, chapter 3, 16 to 18 both times if you hadn't picked that up. Um, then those who feared the Lord talked with each other and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honoured and honored his name. On the day when I act, which is when Jesus died on the cross, the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them, just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. And the opposite happened on the cross, didn't it? That, that God um, gave up his son, did not spare his son, so that we could, like this passage says, be spared ourselves and have that compassion. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked between those who serve God and those who do not but between those that have accepted that Jesus died and rose again for them died on the cross to pay for the wrong we've done and rose again so that if we believe in him we shall not die but have eternal life and we're transformed by that grace grace isn't static it changes us we're ever changing once we've become a Christian and and we are righteous because he's clothed us in righteous we're never we're never good in our own um, right we've never become good because of anything we've done but he's clothed us in his righteousness God has clothed us in his righteousness through Jesus dying on the cross and rising again for us and then we are changed and become more like him as we begin this wonderful I always say the same word sorry wonderful incredible I need to get some new ones um, what a journey what a journey it is to follow the Lord Jesus it's just awesome there you go slightly different word I've used that once I'm sure and then John 3, verses 16 to 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they've not believed in the name of God's one and only Son, Jesus. I'll leave you to check out those um, uh, chapters if you want to see more of the comparisons but yeah just from me reading them I think you would have got a bit of an idea already how yeah very interesting Malachi 3 verses 16 to 18 very similar in effect to John 3 verses 16 to 18 let's pray Lord in a sense the Israelites were a tiny tiny bit right because you appear, you appear, in a sense, unjust to allow your son to suffer upon the cross who did nothing wrong so that we who have sinned, who have done wrong, so much wrong, can be forgiven. 
but we thank you that the Israelites are wrong, that you are a God of injustice rather than justice because we just thank you that it's because you're a God of grace and love as well as justice why this incredible crazy thing can happen that what does seem such an injustice of Jesus dying for us when we deserve to be punished not him did happen thank you that your grace and your love really are even bigger than your justice please Lord help us to ever grow in our journey with you and I just want to pray for anyone watching this message who doesn't know you or does know you but walked away help them know just how much you love them how much like that father in the prodigal son story you would run miles and miles and miles and swim oceans to be with them and I pray that they would just see how good you are and how much they need you and that they would take your hand Lord, that they would take your hand and follow you. Or follow you again. Thank you that it's only by your grace that we hang on to you. And we pray that when we fall, which we know we were at times, that we'll remember that like if we physically fell, that, that we wouldn't fall into mud and then roll around in it. As soon as we fall down, we'd get up again. So help us not when we fall spiritually, when we do things wrong, indulge that sin and go further and further away from you help us get up straight away just like if we would fall down physically we'd get up straight away and keep following you because thank you that following you and knowing you truly is the greatest thing in jesus name amen god bless you